Blackwater, The Wagner Group, Executive Outcomes, The Flying Tigers, The Swiss Guard, The White Company, The Knights Templar, The Varangian Guard, Clerkus of Sparta, Pythagoras the Spartan, Mentor of Rhodes, Socrates of Achaea. The list is endless. Mercenaries, Guns for Hire, Soldiers of Fortune, Private Military Companies, Private Security Contractors, Dirty Deeds, done not so dirt cheap. History is replete with privatized militaries. Call them what you want. They have been around for a very long time, and they are very likely not going away anytime soon. And like it or not, wars are good, very good for business. Furthermore, history tells us that more people are enslaved and killed by such means as greed, corruption, oppression, and tyranny than by any other means. So choose the red pill, remove your blinders, all of them, and take a good sensory inventory of what you're being told and shown to believe. Because here we go. Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Oconus, The Contractor's Life. Talking from the relatively insulated and bucolic rural foothills of northwestern Washington State, I'm your host, Scott Dresser. Life as a private security contractor in a hostile or a war-torn zone, or as some call it, an austere or a non-permissive environment. Well, it is a mixed bag of blessings. Some good and some not so good. All in all though, private security contracting is much the same as life. It is what you make it. The MENA region, or the Middle East North Africa region. Lands of enchantment, lands of mystery, lands of the old ones and the ancient ones. Myths, legends, folklore, maybe. If you believe what you read in the ancient and the holy texts, then you know that it all centered around what we refer to as the MENA region. That's right the Mediterranean. And you probably also know that to every legend or myth, there is a base of at least some truth. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Conus, The Contractor's Life, recording more or less live from location. Yes, that means that uh, I'm working in the field more or less, um, a relatively large event uh, at a undisclosed location, but I can say it is in uh, the Puget Sound region of Washington State. So, yes, I'm working solo. It's not an uncommon thing uh, here in the States. Um, I have plenty of projects, though, where I do work with uh, other people. Uh, one or two, sometimes more. Sometimes they work for me and I just show up. Um, then there's other projects that I subcontract out to where there's multiple personnel. But this is kind of a one-man show. Happens a lot. So that said, I thought we'd get back and pick up where I left off more or less last season uh, with Afghanistan. Working in the uh, JBAD region for EODT, 
uh, there at the airport. Uh, if you know where it is, you know what I'm talking about. Um, you can probably find it on Google Maps or whatever map you use, even though um, a lot of names have changed. So what you used to be able to find and see um, some years ago uh, has been changed. It's it's in one of... what It's probably the official language in Afghanistan at this point. Um, but anyway, that said... Uh, it was a JSOC uh, camp there on the place, and in particular, an event that I think I maybe hearkened to in a previous episode uh, in another season, uh, but it was one of those uh, events that we were told might be coming, and of course, it actually transpired that morning, on or about the time we were supposed to get up anyway, uh, to the roaring alarms and lots of raucous uh, noise, <laughs> letting us know that this was the real thing. Now, fortunately, uh, we all had more or less our own rooms. There were some guys that uh, teamed up. In other words, that means that there were like two guys in a room. But for the most part, most of us had our own room, 10 by 10, 10 by 12, 12 by 12, something like that. Not particularly large, but sufficiently large enough for a single guy uh, to get all your equipment and gear and, and uh, not feel like you were in a sardine can. Uh, so we had all of our gear and everything stowed uh, in a place uh, near the door, the entrance, or beds, wherever, whatever suited us so that it was uh, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, um, on us, and we were out the door uh, at a moment's notice. And so that's what happened this one morning in particular. Um, it wasn't the only time. I th- not sure it was the first time, but it, it was. It was certainly uh, anyway. It, it was. It was another one of those attacks uh, by the Taliban slash Al Qaeda. It was a multi-pronged, uh, complex attack uh, at multiple locations there on the base, and uh, so you know, <laughs> it, so you know, we get our, you know, we, we we do our thing. We're out the door within five minutes. Everybody's pretty much out the door. Um, and we're rallying up because uh, we already knew where we were going to post up, where we we're going to do a quick brief, and uh, we went on and assumed our positions. Uh, some guys were posted in the interior towers. Some guys were posted in the exterior towers. Uh, the rest were, uh, you know, uh, assigned to different locations there in and around uh, this this camp. Uh, again, in in. Interior, exterior. So, uh, anyway, we all had our positions, uh, and uh, after about I don't know, roughly half an hour or so, uh, nothing in our immediate vicinity was was going on directly involving us. And uh, guys were then starting to complain and and went quip about you know not having time to eat breakfast, no coffee, yada yada yada. You know, it's like oh, really, guys. <laughs> You know, the things that some guys will complain about uh, when they've got time, you know, uh, when the adrenaline wears off. So, yeah, so, I mean, so, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're kitted up. You know, we've got our plate carriers on with the plates and and helmets and, uh, you know, some guys had gloves, some didn't. You know, we're, you know, we're, we're basically kitted up pistols, sidearms, all of it, you know, our rifles. Guys that are in the towers have the machine guns. Uh you know, so it, it it's um, it's otherwise a beautiful day. 
the the uh, dark blue sky turned to light azure blue. Sun started coming up. Um, kind of. It was, as I recollect, though, there was some haze in the sky. Um, helicopters were everywhere. Uh, buzzing around in the sky. Uh, there wasn't a lot of tra- uh, foot traffic, as you might imagine, but uh, oddly enough, there were some stragglers and uh, people kind of milling around. It's like, really, guys, did you not get the memo? <laughs> you know, the strangest things, right? In other words, believe it or not, um, for some guys that, was, you know, that, that weren't part of the reactionary security force um, were, I mean, they were just like, you know, like, oh, wow, what's this? <laughs> like, I mean, they're coming out of the gym or coming out of the DFAC or out of their office or wherever they're coming out. It's like, really? <laughs> you don't, you didn't hear all this stuff? You didn't hear all the incoming and everything else? Uh, anyway, you know, small arms fire, uh, pretty much, uh, you know, as far as you can tell, it, it's in the distance but you know you can hear it all around and then of course intermittently you hear the distinct sounds of explosions uh some are kind of a deep thud and others are kind of a louder crack uh but you hear them and some are close some are not so close uh but we know it's getting pretty pretty real right about now so after i said uh, you know it's been approximately 30 minutes and um you know, some of us are thinking, you know, maybe it's stand down time. Uh, there's guys starting to peek out some of the buildings. Uh, one of them was a Navy corpsman. And, uh, you know, he and I had been talking earlier in his office um, the, the day before this happened. He would uh, duck in and out of his office and peer around and see what's going on um, and then go back inside. Um, I was probably, as I recollect, I was kind of like, uh, odd man out. I was kind of like out in the open in the middle, um, between buildings, uh, behind a fence. Um, yeah, I don't know, maybe roughly 25 to 30 feet from, um, uh, a people gate in that fence. And, um, everybody else was pretty much behind cover. It's just where I ended up and, you know, thinking that it was going to go down. I didn't want to get up and run around and try to find a place to hide because you just don't know what's going on or where. Um, and we're trying to cover all points and all angles. And uh, anyway, just the way it worked out, it seemed like it was fine. Um, and I, Anyway, so I'm there. Take off the helmet. Uh, scratch the itches. Let my head cool off a little bit. Put on the ball cap. Uh, looking around. Eventually, this thing blows over. The gunfire subsides. And the explosions go away. Um, and we get the stand-down order. So, I don't know, 45 minutes, an hour into it. Uh, we're back at the Rally Point debriefing. We're still on high alert uh, pretty much for the rest of the day. And as I recollect, maybe even for the rest of the week. And what day of the week it was, uh, heck, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm not sure we really... You know, there might have been times where we talked about what day of the week it was, um, but for the most part, the days just blurred one day into the next, so it almost really didn't matter if it was Monday, Friday, Saturday, you know, it almost really didn't matter, um, you know, when you're in an environment like that, um, unless you're planning something or you're documenting something, uh, the day and the date really just pretty much don't matter in practical terms, Is far as the guy on the ground uh doing your job so you know what are the emotions that ran through i mean uh 
I don't remember the exact emotions. Was I scared? No, not really. Uh, was a little anxious? Yeah, I was, I was a little anxious. Uh, and, you know, there was a time there for a moment uh, when there was a lot of foot, you know, some, when I say foot traffic, there was foot traffic outside the fence. I could hear footsteps out there, but they, they kind of seemed like trepid footsteps, like somebody was, was, was tenuously moving um, and not sure because the fence was, uh, I forget what the, you know, it's got like that green strapping in it. So it kind of blurs or hides, you know, who's on the outside and who's on the inside. So you can't really get a clear view. Um, so we weren't certain because uh, we were on radio silence. Um, at least, you know, guys like me were. And uh, we had talked about in a contingency like this, the possibility that they would break through the outer barriers and work and and make their way past the rings of security and get into where we were at, uh, right on top of the you know the client area, and uh, that's where I heard the footsteps. So uh, multiple footsteps, and uh, I don't recollect. It seems to me somebody was calling out, you know, uh, querying, challenging them, and. Uh, you know, I could, at one point, I think I heard some voices, but I couldn't distinctly tell, um, you know, if it was American or not. Um, so, you know, I'm aiming down the barrel, looking through the sights. My throat got a little dry. Yeah, my vision for a moment, I don't know, a few seconds got a little blurry. It's like, oh shit, here it comes. <laughs> I mean, I was sure they're going to uh, try to get through the through the gate. Um, and I'll... Yeah, I was cool about it. I mean, you know, it could have gone bad, but it didn't. Um, I didn't do anything. Was waiting for the right moment. The right moment never happened. Uh, fortunately, as it turned out, it, it was just guys coming out of the gym that were just a stone's throw from where I was at. Uh, on the other side of the fence, they they <laughs> the footsteps was them trying to unlock the gate, and that's when I got a little rattled, um, and I was bearing down on them. Um, you know, my finger was not on the trigger. It was poised. Um, and I think I've talked about that before. You know, it takes a fraction of a second to come down when you practice on it. Um, so the weapon was on fire. It wasn't on safe. But my finger was off the trigger. Uh, and I was poised, aiming right there. They opened it. And, whew, to my relief, <laughs> guys in... in uh, Guys, it was clearly obvious to me at that point that they were on our side. So I was like, whoo, big sigh of relief. I don't remember, two or three of them. And they were like, oh, wow. And I'm like, really? Another group of guys that didn't get the memo. All right. So they come in, they, you know, they close it, they lock it up, and they, you know, toddle off to wherever they're going and uh, didn't see them for the rest of the day. And before I forget, um, it's been brought to my attention already that the uh, green lattice work, lattice work that I referred to, uh, that was uh, that I think I said it was stated was woven into the chain link fencing. That was uh, that was an error. Uh, there were uh, places where that was the case um, with some of the fences, but this fence, uh, it was it was green. But what it was is a kind of a ripstop type uh, canvas, uh, and it was fastened on to the fence. So it wasn't lattice work. 
again it was some sort of it was some sort of a ripstop type canvas not an uncommon thing at a lot of these um uh bases uh facilities or compounds where um, where they were trying to black things out um you know and that was oh you know part of the security thing it uh made it hard for you know part of the the layers and rings of security uh, to try and, and hide or obscure or obfuscate, uh, you know, what was there, what was behind it, and who was there. Uh, so anyway, just clear that up real quick. So that kind of wrapped up that uh, that eventful morning. Uh, and uh, just to clarify, it's not like there weren't guys already on duty, because it was obviously, it was a 24-hour uh, assignment. Uh, we had two 12-hour shifts, you know, night shift, day shift. Uh, so there were guys that were already on night shift that were already at their assigned posts. So there were guys out there already uh, for this. It's just that the other group of guys, the day shift guys, were the ones that got woke up uh, abruptly and had to uh, muster and rally. and and. Uh, but uh, anyway, so this came to an end. That came to a close, and that wrapped up that day. Uh, you know, the, the guys that had the day off that had mustered – uh, got to go back and, you know, so they either went to breakfast or went back to the room or they went to breakfast, then went to the room or wherever they went. Maybe they had to go to the other side of the airport, do some shopping or, you know, uh, whatever they wanted to do. Uh, and then of course, obviously the guys that were on night shift, it was their turn to go back and rack out. And, uh, so that pretty much closed out the day. That was, you know, so that was one of those, uh, Eh, relatively speaking, you know, numerous exciting moments there, uh, there in the Jalalabad area, there at the airport, uh, working for EODT there uh, in Afghanistan. Again, that was my first contract uh, in Afghanistan uh, with EODT. As I as I've mentioned before in previous episodes, uh, we had um, transitioned there from the Nazaria region there in Iraq. Um, it took us, I think, almost two weeks, somewhere between 10 days and two weeks to actually get to that part of the world. Um, and uh, we spent eh, roughly a week in Kuwait uh, getting over there. Uh, with And actually, I want to say maybe three days, might have been four, three or four days there uh, in Iraq. I don't remember exactly where in Iraq, somewhere in the outskirts of Baghdad, as I recall, um, doing administrative stuff before we went to Kuwait. Um, and then finally got the flight there. Um, so, so, so that day, that, that particular day was, you know, was a memorable day. It wasn't the only one. There were, there were a number of others, uh, for, for very similar reasons, um, that, that, that I'll talk about in, uh, in later episodes. And while I'm on it, I don't recollect whether I had the day off that day or if I had to go to work. Uh, it seems to me I had to go to work. Well, you know, it's fine, whatever. For me, I think I looked at it kind of like, well, you know, it's kind of like time served. I've already been out here for, I think by the time uh, the dust settled, probably a couple hours. Uh, so, you know, it was only 10 more hours roughly <laughs> before I, you know, got to go back uh, to my room. Um, but yeah, so so that's... Uh, that's not, it wasn't a, I wouldn't say that that was a frequent occurrence, but we certainly had our share of, uh, exciting moments there on that contract. So anyway, hopefully that clears that up. Um, 
So, yeah, there, there's a lot more to talk about uh, Afghanistan and my time there and uh, more on, on this uh, particular contract project with EODT there in uh, the Jalalabad region um, in the Nangarhar province of Afghanistan uh, later. But uh, for now, I think that'll put a wrap on this episode of Oconus, the Contractor's Life. Thank you for tuning in. And remember, folks, it takes a team. The grass is not always greener on the other side. Be careful what you wish for, because you might just get it. Stay safe and keep others safe by being aware of your surroundings and staying frosty. And until next time, keep it real. Oconus the Contractor's Life extends a special thank you to music composer Kava Cohen and to Colin Perry of Ninja Tracks for allowing Oconus the Contractor's Life the use of Kava's song, Heavy Clutch, from the music soundtrack to the game Forza Motorsport 7. And also, a big thank you to Andres Rodriguez, who can be found at the Fiverr website for his excellent original music scores.